give for each one of us that are in here today. But I ask you that all the things that's been deposited in our life thus far and what's about to come, I ask you, Lord, that you would seal that in our souls, in our heart, that we can take it home with us and it become a nourishment to our, our bodies, our mind, our soul, our spirit, to bring us to the next level, O oh God. Father, I ask you, Lord, for revelation. Lord, unveil the secrets and the mysteries of your kingdom to us. And Father, we just thank you for what you're doing. Lord, we ask you that healing would come upon people, miracles would take place in their lives. And Father, we give you praise and give you glory for it. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I want to make sure I see him getting the right hands. Okay, real quick before we go into worship. I don't know if we're streaming already, but anyway, we are. Okay, well, that's all right. We're going to do this real quick. I'm giving out the tickets for our show this afternoon, okay? So if you can have one representative from, like, each family, uh, Rhonda Como, and I don't see them, uh, Thompson, Vita's behind us, Beach, um, Susan and Deborah, I don't see them. Hallelujah, it's not working, y'all. Everybody's not here. Okay, Carrick, Saya, the next one is Saya. Give these folks to Damon, he's coming. Uh, Phillips, Castagnetta, any of them here? Get, Phil, can you take this for them? I, I'd rather you hold on to it. Okay, Vernita, Carl, Shalimar, Roxanne, Shannon, uh, wait, it looks like there's three there. There should only be two, I think, in that stack. Shannon, Lily, unless I have Kim, I have Kim and Phyllis in there. If you just give that all to Shannon, you can handle it, okay? okay. Um, Peggy Eggers. Kitely. Uh, the Janes family. Broussard, anybody in here from Broussard family? <laughs> Phil. Phil, look at you, Phil. And look, here's here's yours. He's in Gilbo's. Why are you here? We got yours. <laughs> okay, thank you. The Conways. Uh, Rasmussen, I know who they are. I give it to them. Ida and Alexis. Uh, Derek and Erica. Ortiz and Kaufman. Rebecca and Noreen, the Dillmans, the Galatis, Hillman. Y'all, this is Garland's little sister, if y'all haven't met her. She's amazing. <laughs> and give, this is Galatis. Okay. And the Bilbos. I know who they are. Okay. So I've got... Ouch. You about to get in big trouble, <laughs> big trouble now. But she was the favorite, though. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Now we ready to worship the Lord and move on into service. So listen, the show starts at six. Just a little housekeeping. Show starts at six, ends at seven thirty, and church starts at eight o'clock tonight.
So y'all get in the car and hit the pedal to the metal. Hurry and use the bathroom and get in here because you don't want to miss the last Holy Ghost outpouring of this event. We want you filled up so when you go home, you take the Holy Ghost home in a new, fresh way, and you just pour it out on everybody and bless them. Amen. And would you check your envelopes in a little bit? Make sure I did it right because I was half cross-eyed when I was doing it. I was so tired. So uh, I think I have the right amount of tickets in everyone's envelope. Please verify that for me. And uh, we're going to have a good time following the service tonight. All of you who are still energetic, can you stay and help my husband pack up all this equipment? Because we have to be out of here before midnight. So um, anyway, that would be a blessing. Yes. Okay, if anybody needs an extra ticket, we have it. I don't think I know you all, but we welcome you here. If you want tickets, I've got a couple of tickets. So if y'all wanting to go to the pirate show, see me later. We'll see what we can do about that. Okay. Um, all right, y'all ready? Amen. It's going to be awesome. All right, y'all ready to worship the Lord today? Amen. We fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. Amen. Through our praise through our worship unto him. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. We thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this house, into our lives, oh God. We just open up our hearts to receive everything you have for us. Hallelujah. This is how we fight our battles. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. How we push aside every distraction right now. This is how I fight my battles. Yeah. This is how I fight my battles. Come on, you know this song? Why don't we just lift our voice up and just begin to declare that? Say, This is how I fight my battles. I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Sometimes you gotta remind yourself. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Come on, sing it out. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Come on, sing it out. Yeah. 
This is how we fight our battles. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God, that we have power. God, in our praise and our worship, oh God, God, that your presence, your word says that you live in our praise, that you inhabit the praises of your people. God, so we know that you're here because of the praises that just came up, oh God. God, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're working in our lives, that you're working over in every situation today. God, we thank you, God, that the best is yet to come. God, the services have been powerful, but we thank you, God, that there is more yet to come for this morning and this evening, God, and we're going to soak up everything that you have for us. God, we thank you for the impartation, God, that we're receiving in this atmosphere. Lord, and we give you all the praise, all the glory. We give you control over this service today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We want to let you know that the Kiteleys came in yesterday afternoon and are excited about being here to minister with us tonight. And, uh, we are really looking forward to hearing uh, the prophetic ministry from them. Now, I've got a tremendous excitement, exciting announcement for you. I know you all have loved the ministry. I know that many of you had never heard Charlie Jordan, but I, I could tell by your responses that you were blessed and enjoyed his ministry, and he will be at Praise Church March 20th. So just about three weeks from now, he will be with us in ministry at our churches that Sunday, uh, only that day, and so we'd love for you to be there. Put it on your calendar, mark your calendar. Tonight, I'm going to give you some other dates. I hope you're already marking your calendar to be here next year. It will be February the 18th through the 22nd. 
We always advertise the Wednesday. Now, we don't have services on Wednesday, but if we don't do that, people get confused and they'll leave Tuesday. But it doesn't end ever till Tuesday night. So it's always Saturday night through Tuesday night, four nights, power packed. I hope you all had a great day yesterday. I mean, it's five services. I should clarify that. Five services. Monday, we take the day off for you to have family time. I've seen some of your pictures and videos. The Biltmore look beautiful. And, you know, different ones of y'all have done different things around here. Um, and and I hope you all had a wonderful time. Uh, saw a lot of pretty pictures of the scenery around here and fun things and uh, Ethan having a blast yesterday, cutest videos and pictures, and it, it was great. I'm glad that you're having a good time, and uh, today we are, hard to believe, already closing out this conference. I work for all year long getting it ready, and then it's done and over. It's kind of like you build up for Christmas, and then all of a sudden it's over, and people want to take the tree down. Guess what? At my house, the tree's still up. But we did, the night before we left, we took the Christmas wreaths off the front door. We're making some progress. We're focused on pastoring and getting a conference together. We said when we go home, we're taking down the Christmas stuff. <laughs> Somebody said, just change it and decorate it for Easter. I'm like, it's too much work. No. I wish, my, my daughter-in-law wants us to cut a hole in the ceiling and to just lift the tree up. And then every year, we can just put it back down from, might be a plan. You never know. You never know. We might be doing that. Anyway, um, at this time, it is my honor to introduce our son-in-law, Joshua. Where is he? He stepped out? Okay. Oh, oh I, I'm so sorry. I totally forgot. Y'all forgive me, I forgot something. Anyway, yeah, and this I should have never forgotten because this is amazing. Okay, the Collins family have a ministry presentation that is life-changing. Get on the edge of your seat. I don't know if you're ready for it, but it's going to be awesome. Okay.
I told y'all y'all were going to be blessed. For our Christmas um, banquet, their mom did the, one of the main parts with them, and they had other grandchildren involved. We're a church that's all about promoting family and generations and legacy. Even if you noticed the dance the other day, there were moms and kids and, you know. And so, anyway, we have fun at Praise Church, y'all. We need to have fun. Awesome, y'all. Thanks so much. We asked him, can y'all do this? I know you've only got half the family here, but can y'all do it for us? And then I almost forgot. <laughs> but thank y'all so much. Um, God brought this wonderful young man into our lives several years ago. Um, he told us, I can't keep track, but he said this is his eighth Blizzard Breakaway Conference. He came while he and Bethany were dating. In fact, while he was up here, 
he was planning her their his proposal and i remember i was so touched by this he went not only to garland and i to ask for bethany's hand in marriage he went to my son to brandon and to my daughter-in-law michelle because he knew how close and tight our family unit is and he went and asked them for bethany's hand and blessing in marriage as well and then he began preparing the most amazing proposal ever oh my goodness and he has been such a blessing to us you know he uh his his degree is in it right am i saying that right josh information technology but he works in the medical field and um yet he's come in here and he has helped us with ministry unbelievably he is the reason we are able to stream these broadcasts right now he takes time at home and studies on how to do whatever it is he knows we're wanting to do for the ministry but he's powerfully anointed extremely prophetic and it, it, he's a teacher but he also, the preach kicks on him every once in a while. But he's very prophetic. And we are just so blessed to have him. And what a blessing to have, um, know that my, my grandchildren are being raised by godly parents. I, I cannot tell you the peace that, that gives us. And uh, we're so grateful for that. And so I, I know a little bit about what God's put on his heart to share. It was kind of funny when we started communicating with me and Sylvia, we've had a bunch of phone calls before we ever met. But, um, and, and we were talking about it one day and my, my niece, Amanda said, I know her. I've been to one of her meetings before and I'm good friends with her daughter. And so she said, I'm going to call her daughter and see if her daughter can come. But we know your daughter had other plans. But um, Josh said, well, I, my first house I bought when I was in college their son-in-law was my roommate. I'm like, wow, it's all, we're all connected and didn't even, never met. But, <laughs> but anyway, he has just been such a blessing in our lives. And I know you're going to be blessed by what he has to share today. I encourage you to open up your heart and as the Holy Spirit flows through him. All right. <laughs> well, after that applause, we can just go, right? <laughs> Oh, man, I, I, I don't know. I, Beth and I, uh, I told her last night, it was like midnight. I'm like, Beth, we got to pray over kids. I know how the enemy works. I said, one of these kids is not sleeping tonight because you and I are speaking in the morning, right? And boy, I started to pray and sure enough, boy, blaze all night. And so I went to bed at one and just out of no reason, I woke up at 5 a.m. I mean, I wake up at five at home and I'm just like, well, I'm just up at five. I'm echoing a little bit. If you could turn down my game just a tad. Thank you, sir. Uh, and then Bethany, she got about one hour sleep. And one thing, the first child, I didn't have it down. But the second child, I learned, you can never say you're tired. <laughs> the guy can never say he's tired. <laughs> Ever. I don't care how tired you are. Put toothpicks under your eyes. Drink more coffee. Just never say those words, I'm tired. <laughs> that is... <laughs> that is... Um, an instant, uh, that's an instant pot ready to cook. <laughs> Lord. Oh, gosh. I thank Lord, the Lord for my failures because I've learned so much through them. Come on. We need to look at it that way, right? Come on. I, you know, Beth and I, well, Pat, well, I lost it again. Pastor Garland and Pastor Bev are, um, you know, John Maxwell, life coaches, too, and Bethany and I are we're John Maxwell certified. And what I love about John Maxwell is he makes you feel that everything's okay all the time, every time you hear from him. 
He's like, you, you, you never fail unless you give up. You just learn. And so if we just learn, come on, we didn't fail. We just learned. And some of us have learned a lot. <laughs> and it, it's been hard. Amen. Come on. But we have learned a lot and we are smarter today and more educated today. Come on to be in a position to succeed. And, you know, what I love about John Maxwell is when he talks to you, he just says, well, hi, I'm John. I'm your friend. And he just he could be talking to 3000 people, but he just makes it feel like he's talking to you. And so, uh, you know, I, I enjoy that. I'm going to get in the message in a moment. But, you know, it's been a it's been an awesome conversation. Y'all having a good time. I'm not going to lie. I was thankful for the break yesterday, but the ministry has been powerful. But sometimes we get so poured into, you know, we just need a little break. And uh, so I'm going to get in the message in a minute, but I want to talk to you. And, and I probably need to bring a little bit of clarification because I told you all the other night I was raised heathen. And you all probably like, well, I have never heard that. I have never heard someone they were raised heathen. But no, I was Christian as a child. Come on. I was a Methodist. You know, and, you know, we went to church on Easter, Christmas and Mother's Day. Father, Father's Day, we didn't make it. He didn't deserve a service. We just went Mother's Day, <laughs> Christmas and Easter. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> but it was until I was 22 years old that I gave my life to Christ. And then not long after that, on Father's Day, I invited my father to church and he came and gave his life. And then from that point, my mother gave her life and. You know, right before Beth and I died, my father passed away from dementia, you know, a long battle. Um, but my mom today is well, and I'm proud of her. And she is firmly established in her church, and she serves in the widow's ministry. And, you know, and I appreciate that about my mom because we're there was a pain in her life. She just didn't sit around. But she got up and said, you know, I'm going to help other people. Come on. In my position. And so... Um, and so, you know, my childhood was interesting. But see, I, I know some of Mr. Fieldham, y'all probably don't know this. But, you know, part of my dysfunction was my grandmother lived in Grand Isle. And so my parents would send me there for the summers. And I would spend eight, ten weeks down there. And I'd crab and fish. And, and my, she lived in Caminata Pass, I think that's what they call it. And she had a pier in a no-wake zone. And, you know, people would come flying by on boats. And Granny would come out with a shotgun. And she would start shooting in the air over their boat. And she would use language I haven't heard since I was in the Army. And I'm seeing all this at seven and eight years old. And I'm like, I was thinking about it this morning. That was part of my problem. So as I got older, I mean, most grandmothers bring milk and cookies and toys. Mine had a filthy mouth with a shotgun. Didn't even let you use the shower. Get out there in your underwear and hose off. That was my grandmother. Amen. The hard school knocks the old school. You can't you come in here smelling like fish. You get out there and hose down. <laughs> my dad's stepdad, if you if you slept too long, he'd take a blue crab and put it in the bed. I've woken up several times with a crab right in my face. <laughs> You'll get up real quick. <laughs> All you need is a little snap on the nose and uh Hey, the kids are up. <laughs> and so then I went to the school of the adolescent and troubled youth. Now, you know it as the Army, but 
we call it the school of adolescent and troubled youth because you know a lot of people in there is go to army go to jail you know what i mean i was in that position i, I was proud to serve but um i went there and then you know i was i was you know double hard-headed i guess or not smart you know i was a genius actually because i went to boot camp and then i went to officer school i didn't get enough in boot camp i had to go through a whole nother uh situation right and in, in, in a harder training and i remember my first day in officer training they put us in a sewage ditch and they put us in our beds and there was no shower and we started with 300 that applied 154 started training and about 52 of us graduated so about a 70 percent washout rate so i said i'm not quitting unless you kill me and uh i made it through and then i always wanted to be an army ranger and do you know right as i was getting commissioned i met jesus and it was my dream was a little childhood to be a ranger so close and so i always joke i'm gonna raise a write a book that jesus wrecked my life <laughs> he, he wrecked my life and my whole dream is there but you know i'm thankful for my eight and a half years of service time but god had another plan amen and uh, his ways are not our ways his you know his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and you know if you would have told me years ago you'd you know be married in the ministry family preaching the gospel and i'd say you're crazy and if you really ask me about streaming and media i'd say you're really crazy you know there's i i, I didn't you know I just sat down at a computer one day and I just said, I'm going to figure this out. And I just went to work and, you know, I'd stay up two, three in the morning. And then we're here. And then, you know, now, I mean, 3000 people the other night when we service, you know, people chiming in from all over the world, Canada and stuff like that. And so, um, you know, and, 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 and I've been in business since 2003 and um, I'm a sales guy, you know, and, I should have known that I was going to be a sales guy at a young age because when it was in first grade, the teacher called me. Was, I was that guy. I'm just telling you, I was the, everybody has one of those people that's that guy. You know, my teacher's desk was here, the classroom was here, but mine was cemented to hers. <laughs> and she called my mom in and she said, Jeannie, we have a problem. She says, well, what is it? Your son makes airplanes, okay? And then he sells it to the kids. And when it comes to lunch, they don't have any money to buy lunch. <laughs> and so now at church, I do a lot of the tithes and offerings. So every time I come up, people get scared. They start hiding their wallet. <laughs> I can go back to my mom and say, hey, I was just operating in my gifting. Amen. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to joke with y'all to get, a, get us laughing because, you know, I, I love the heavy ministry. And I do have a serious point in my message today. But, you know, we also need to laugh. It's been a heavy season. You know, I'm telling you, since March 2020, I'll go back two years of Blizzard Breakaway. Beth and I had God had put on our heart to talk about finances and famine. Now, this is February. I don't remember when it was, but it was earlier in February. We had not had one case of COVID yet in the United States. And the Holy Spirit started to, I started to deal with, and I said, businesses that know how to solve problems will prosper. No matter what the situation, if you know how to solve a problem, you will prosper. And I talked about Isaac and Jacob and how they sowed, and even in the season of famine, they reaped a hundredfold. And we had no 
idea what we were talking about. And we didn't know six weeks later, whatever, the United States would shut down. And we go into this place where businesses are losing money and everything. But I'm here to tell you, church, we have to look at it differently. And I'm not talking about money this morning, but it's just in my heart to share with you. When a famine hits, I'm looking to prosper. Listen to me. I don't get fearful. I'm looking to prosper because I know just like Joseph, if I can bring a situation an answer to a situation, come on, I'm going to prosper. I mean, Joseph, if you want to be about a businessman, study about Joseph. I mean, he was awesome. He, he, he knew the plan of God. He collected all the grain. And then when everybody ran out of food, he sold it all to them and took all their money and land, too. I mean, come on. He was the first empire broker of the day. I mean, he bought all the land, all the money all the grain but he saved not one but two nations from starvation he just didn't give them the wisdom he had all the resources but people of god we should prosper come on in any season in any situation so right now i'm looking and i'm gonna tell you why because i know business and i hate it but i know businesses have been struggling right and resources i mean the other night we couldn't really find anything to eat and i'm going to start transitioning to my message because it was late um what was that monday night sunday night sunday night it was late and everything was closing early and i walked into uh denny's because we were like oh what are we going to do it's what 11 o'clock i think we walked into denny's and i said well we've got a group i don't know how many are going to come but we got a group that wants to eat she said i can't take you i just got one server you'll be here all night and there was already a group of people. And uh, I said, well, there's an easy solution to fix all this. Come on. We could turn this nation around. Come on. I'm talking the people of God. Come on. Can turn this nation around because we can bring solutions to world problems. So I walked out. Then I went to Waffle House. And I was like, oh, gosh, well, maybe they'll take us. If not, we're just going to fast. <laughs> I often call it the Waffle House because, you know, you're like, oh, why did I eat that? I hadn't been to the Waffle House in years, but, you know, I was hungry. And butter and syrup at late at night sound good. And so I went in there. And, and the title of my message today is Tableside Stories. Because you have been eating at tables all week. And it's not really about food. Food is part of the conversation. And part of the, you know, the aspect of sitting at a table, but life is happening at tables. Come on, you are having relationship. You're encouraging one another. You're laughing. You're joking. You're being refreshed. You're talking about your family, your kids, your grandkids, whatever. You're talking about the things that are passionate to in your life. Life takes place at tables. And so the title of my message today, and you know, we're in business where we have fireside chats. Well, this is tableside chats. And I walked in the Waffle House and I was talking to this girl and I said, um, well, my wife's got the babies in the car. I said, can how long would it get? Can we get some food to go? She said, yeah, I can have it in about five or six minutes. I said, oh, great. I said, well, I don't know how many are coming. I said, but we have a church conference going on right here and there may be several that show up. Well, I didn't say church conference. I said conference. She said, well, didn't y'all ever think about calling a restaurant? I mean, we're not Texas Road. This is what she starts to tell me. We're not Texas Roadhouse Grill where we can just fit all these people. 
I said, well, I'm sorry. I said, I'm not planning everything. I don't know what they're doing, but I'm just trying to say there may be some more people in this door, and I'm just trying, you know, to, to warn you. And she said, well, what kind of conference is it? I said, well, it's a church conference. She said, even worse. <laughs> she said, church people are the most selfish, most demanding, and worst tippers that we deal with. And I looked at her. I looked at her. I said, well, I'm a pastor, and I'm sorry. We're not all like that. And I started to apologize, and then she got into some vulgarities. And she said, well, Jesus ain't paying my bills. Now listen to me. I've written a message before I come here about tableside chats. And I'm now sitting at a bar top table in Waffle House with a waitress. And she's telling me things that a Christian should not want to hear. But I felt, check the Lord, don't tell her about your Bible. She's not going to listen anyway. Engage her. So I started to talk to her about, well, where are you from? Tell me, you know, what's going on? And I started to have dialogue and conversation with this woman at a table who had a perception. And now, granted, everywhere I go, I used to travel a lot, not since COVID, but everywhere I go, people tell me that church people come in. They're very demanding. They're very hard to serve. And sometimes they leave nothing or pennies for a tip. And I'm like, I am so sorry that you had the experience that she has now formed a perception about God because of us that carry his name. Come on. And we act in a certain way. So I started engaging kind of a conversation with her. And I said, I promise you, I will tip you at least 20 percent before I leave this. As I always do. Listen, even if I go get Domino's pizza, I'm just I'm just talking about me right now. I give 20% and I did the driving to go pick it up out the window. But why? Because I am a representation of him. And my daddy is not pulling up the streets of gold because he needs money right now. Come on. Heaven finances are in good hands. God's not sweating. I'm telling you since 2020, God ain't, he, he ain't sweating. He's not worried. He has not been concerned. As a matter of fact, Psalms chapter 2, he says he laughs. And so when I left, I gave her a 40% tip. Because I wanted her to know that not all Christians are like that. And then my father-in-law walked in with a group of people here. And I said, "This, hey, this is my father-in-law. I said, he's even nicer to me. And, uh, <laughs> and I wanted her to know that I'm sorry, there are some, but we're not all like that. And my hope is, you know, that, she, you know, she was telling me she was raised Catholic. My hope is, is that she would understand that God is real. Now, if I would have came back to her and started preaching her that God provides all your needs and all, she's not going to receive that word. You can't preach. The, it's the word of God says it's foolishness to those who are perishing. 
And sometimes the scripture don't matter, but what matters is the word of life in you. Come on, to connect with someone, to change their perception about a situation that would open up. So I sowed a seed in her to hopefully that her heart would open up in a different way. And I said, of course you're going to do that, God. He always makes me walk through what I preach. I'm just telling you. Because if we didn't, I'd be a hypocrite. So I wrote a message about tableside chats before I got here. And here I am having this encounter with this woman at this table. And so I just want you to know, if I'm ever speaking at a service, you never have to worry me talking about long suffering. I don't preach about patience. Long suffering. Come on. Godly sorrow. I stay away from all them. I'm joking, but I stay away from all them topics because God's going to make me live it. I don't like suffering, much less long suffering. Amen. Oh, I'm talking about the double portion. Amen. Come on. (laughs) All right. So the Greek word for table is trapeza. And if you do your strong accordance, you know, I study more in the Hebrew and the Greek now than I ever have in my life. And I, and I really dive in. I actually read, there's a Bible that I read called the Complete Jewish Bible. It's written by a Messianic rabbi and he translates it. And I just dive into the Greek and Hebrew because I, I got to tell you, this is a funny story. I, ha, I You know, the medical company I work for, um, the finance guy is, is a Jewish, non-Messianic, traditional Jew. You know, he would call me a Gentile dog. And we have this relationship. I'm just telling you, this, I'm just telling, if you didn't know this, but the Jews look at the Gentiles as dogs. And, uh, and, 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 and we were talking the other day on Zoom, and I said, I bet you, I said, I bet you got your yarmulke on. He bent over, yep, he got it right there. And, uh, and so we just struck up this conversation about God and creation and the bara, which is the creative power of God. See, when God created the earth, the Bible says that he used his bara, B-A-R-A, and that means he created substance out of nothing. See, if I was going to build a house, or let's just build this podium because it's right here, you would have to go get the wood, you would have to have the tools, you would have the new, but God, this didn't exist, but God put it together, this earth together where no substance was, and that's called his bara, his creative power to make something out of nothing. See, it takes us to have stuff to make stuff, but God doesn't need anything to make something. And so I was talking with him, and I was like, well, what, what does a, Gentile, <laughs> it's funny using that word, but what does a Gentile, American Gentile, say to a true Jewish person? So I was like, I don't know how to end the meeting. So I said, Shalom, brother. And I hung up. <laughs> He's probably like that guy. But uh, we have a great relationship and we talk about the Torah, the Pentateuch, and the Old Testament all the time. But uh, uh, anyway, so um, the Greek word for table is trapeza and uh, in strong accordance. 5,132 if you ever want to do your own study. And so tables appear all through the Bible. All through the Bible. Matter of fact, some of the greatest moments in the Bible take place at a table. In Psalms 23, verse 5, and many of you know this, it says, You prepare a table before me, even as my enemies watch. You anoint my head with oil from an overflowing cup. Now, I don't know about you. But when it's pandemonium in the house, you're not sitting at the table eating. Come on. If the kids are running around, everything's not all right. 
How many of you, you know, life is chaotic. You're not sitting down eating. But God says, no, in front of your enemies, before your enemies, I prepare a table before you. A table is a place of nourishment, but a table is a place of rest. Come on. And God wants us to so trust in him that he is our shepherd. Come on, even as our enemies are all around us, that we can sit and eat from the Lord's table. Jesus says in Luke 30, he says, he talks about you've been, you stayed with me through my trials. You've done all these things. And he says, namely, in the future, he says, namely, Luke twenty two thirty. 30, he says, namely, to eat and drink at my table in the kingdom. There is a table that we're going to sit at in the future called the marriage supper of the Lamb. Come on. For all of us that have loved God, we're going to sit down, we're going to eat at this table and to partake in the kingdom of God. Amen. And we will have fellowship and it will be a great day in heaven as the Lamb of God is finally joined to his bride forever. In John 13, verse 12 through 15, Jesus is now at a table with his disciples and he gets up and he said he washed his feet. He washed their feet, excuse me, and taking back his clothes, he returned to the table and said, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me rabbi and Lord, and you are right because I am. Now, if the Lord and the rabbi have washed your feet, you should also wash each other's feet, for I have set you an example so that you may do as I've done to you. At a table, we're supposed to wash each other's feet. Now, I'm not talking about a physical washing. Metaphorically, though, what does feet represent? It's the most dirtiest, stinkiest place on a human being. Let's be real. If you got meat that smells like, uh, you know, perfume and stuff, I want to know about it. I want to know how you did it. But no, feet, because of our socks and stuff, it, it's dirty. They're rough. Come on. they get. That's why women go get manicures and pedicures, because so they need to file them calluses down, right? It, it's sweaty. People get athlete's foot and all kind of other stuff. It's all kind of nasty on feet. And Jesus said, wash them. Well, one time we had a foot washing service at church and people running through and I saw that stuff floating. I said, I ain't getting in there. I'll repent and take communion later. I ain't getting in there. But metaphorically, when I read that, you know what that means to me? As a leader, come on, as a teacher of the word of God, if I can't get into the dark, hidden, dirty places of someone's life how can i be your teacher how can i be your teacher and so we have to humble ourselves it's humbling to get down before someone and to help them back up and we got to wash each other's feet amen and then there's Sometimes conversations at tables don't go that well. In John chapter 13, verse 21 through 30, it says, When Jesus had said these things, he became troubled in spirit and testified and said, Truly, truly, I say that one of you will betray me. Jesus was betrayed at a table. 
Come on, the same table that he just washed these men's feet, that he shared with, that he took the bread and the fish and distributed it and talked to them about food that the Father has that you know not of, and he lived his life and he performed miracles and he healed the leper and he and he cleansed and healed the leper and he drove out demons and he healed the sick and all this, these things. And all these men have been with him. And now they're at a table in a place of rest where they should have fellowship and food. And now Jesus becomes anguished inside of him because he knows the time is near that someone at this table is about to betray him. Sometimes at tables, conversations don't go well. He said, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. And disciples begin looking at another one, another in a loss of uh, a loss to know who which one he was speaking. And they were reclining on Jesus bosom, bosom in whom Jesus loved. So Simon Peter jested him and said, who is it you are speaking of? And he leaned back thus on Jesus bosom and said to him, who is it, Lord? And then Jesus answered it is the one whom I shall dip my morsel and give it to him. So when he dipped the morsel, he took and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And after the morsel, Satan entered him. And therefore, Jesus said, what you do, do quickly. You know, when I take communion, I always remember Paul says these words. On the night the Lord or Jesus was betrayed. Betrayal is a hard thing. But I'm here to tell you that our Savior, come on, He knows what betrayal feels like. And He experienced Himself at a table. And so if you've ever been through that in your life, Come on, I encourage you to know that God knows your pain. He knows the pain of betrayal. And while tables are placed, supposed to be a place of rest, sometimes someone has an agenda that can wound you in the heart. But I like what Jesus said. If you're going to do it, go do it quickly. Scoot on out. We got some cornbread to eat. <laughs> and then here is really the whole focus of my message. And really the key point that my wife's going to come in a few minutes. We're all children of God. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, there are days in your life where you don't feel like you're a child of God. Let's be honest. Come on. The situations of life... The storms we go through, the opinions are really decisions of other people that you have no control over, can wound you and hurt you. And there are days when you don't wake up feeling like, oh, I'm a son of the Most High. Yes, you are. But sometimes in your mind, you don't feel that way. And sometimes you don't even feel like a stepchild. I'm just going to tell you, if I'm having a rough day, I said, Lord, I'm your stepchild, but I'm going to fight for your kingdom. Amen. Because <laughs> that's where my faith's at at the moment. No, I'm, I'm joking. But sometimes we don't even feel that place. But there was a woman 
that was even in a lower place than that. And I want to encourage you today that God doesn't need big faith to do big things. He just needs a little faith. Just a little faith. It's in Matthew, but I'm going to read it out of Mark. Um, it's in Matthew as well, but I'm reading it out of Mark this morning. Mark chapter 7, verse 24 through 30. It says, when Jesus left that place and he went to the vicinity of Tyre, he entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. And the woman was a Greek born in Syria, Phoenicia, and she begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. And Jesus said to her, first, let the children eat all they want. See, Jesus came first for the Jew. And then the, the Holy Spirit was going to be released, the Ruach HaKadosh, to the apostles so that then the gospel can go to the Gentiles and all around the world. And he said, let the children eat. I came for the house of Israel. But see, there's several times in the gospels where Jesus speeds up something that he wasn't supposed to do. Come on, there was a wedding and they looked at him and were out of wine. And his, even his own mom came to him and he said, why do you bother me? It is not yet my time. And she said, okay, but well, whatever he says to do, do. And Jesus performed his first miracle when he turned water into wine. But it wasn't his time. But because of faith, it accelerated the process. So Jesus is now here for the Jews, and here comes this woman and her daughter is demon-possessed. Let's just be real. The daughter is demon-possessed. Demon-possessed people exist, folks. I won't say a name, but we had an encounter not too long ago at the church, someone that loved God, but they, had, they needed some deliverance. And right there on the front just started a manifest to fall out. But by the power of God, he's a new man. Because demons are still here. And people have opened their souls to them. And some have oppression and some have possession. But by the power or the finger of God, come on, they can be cast out. And that is the authority, come on, that he has given the church. And so here's this woman. I mean, we don't need to be afraid of demonic spirits. If you are, you need to get that out of your soul. I don't know why I feel that. You need to get that out of your soul because they have no power on you. Listen to me. Christ came to conquer death, hell, and the grave, and all authority has been given to Him, and He is now passing on to His church through the Holy Spirit inside of you. Come on. And so we do not need to fear, and I'm going to tell you what, they hate the words, the blood of Jesus. Come on. If they just start acting up and you start seeing the blood of Jesus, they will scream, squeal, and they will want to get away because the blood, come on, has never and will never lose its power. And so here this woman has a demon-possessed daughter. And he said, let the children eat. It's not right for me to give you what's theirs. For it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And she said, Lord, 
Even the dogs under the table have the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon had gone. Listen, I'm going to wrap up in just a minute so Bethany can come. All you need is a crumb from the master's table. Come on, this woman didn't have a place at the table. It wasn't even right for her to be here. And Christ said, no, I can't give you what belongs to them. But she said, can I not just have a crumb? And by her faith, come on, by her faith, she moved and accelerated. And Christ moved ahead of time and when he was supposed to. And he delivered a Gentile child. All you need is a crumb. Come on. A crumb is enough. Come on. A crumb is enough. I want you to get in that spirit. Come on, because when you leave here, everything's good and everybody's pumped up and we're all together. But when you get home, there's going to be battles that you're going to have to fight. Come on. And, and there's sometimes you're just going to be alone and you're going to have to say, you know what? A crumb is enough. Come on. A crumb is enough. Hey, I got a cousin that's a missionary. Uh, to Brazil, and I've talked to him about it. And he said, sometimes the demonic presence is so overwhelming that I feel like I want to vomit up in my stomach. And the only way I can get peace, because I can't pray out loud, is to get inside and just pray quietly in the Holy Ghost so that things will lift off of me. Sometimes you're going to be alone, church. Come on. And you're going to have to have a prayer language. Come on. And you're going to have to be able to touch God. And, and you all can do it. Come on. He said, my sheep. Come on. My sheep. Know my voice. Come on, don't let the devil lie to you that you can't hear God. Come on, you were created to hear God. You were created to walk with him. You were created to worship with him. I'm convinced the more that I read the gospel, it's not that I'm trying to go somewhere in the future, but God's trying to get me back in the place of Garden of Eden. Come on, where man can walk with God without sin and without falling and without failing. And in the cool of the day, come on, we can have communication with God. God loves you. God desires to meet with you and it is a lie listen it is a lie that you cannot hear and walk with god you tell that split-tongued devil to shut his mouth so as i wrap up beth you ready come on every time you're at a table remember it's more than a table it's a place of life. It's a place of ministry. It's a place of caring for one another, washing each other's feet, lifting each other up. And the last thing I want you to remember is all you need is a crumb. All you need is a crumb. I mean, a crumb of cornbread with some syrup and butter on it is pretty good. Come on. All you need is a crumb for the master's table. That's awesome. Awesome, awesome word. Powerful word. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, why don't we just stand up for one second, loosen up. If you need to get a little dance on, get a little dance on. You just never know what's going to happen. Never know. Hallelujah. I want you to tell somebody it's so good to see them this morning. Then we're going to get right back in. 
I love what Josh said. It says, God does what Josh said that God doesn't need big faith to do big things. Amen. He just needs a little bit. Amen. All right. Y'all ready to get started for part two? Okay. My text this morning is coming out of Mark, and you may be seated, coming out of Mark chapter four, verses 35 through 41. And I want to tell you a story. Uh, you know, in, in our family, um, you know, it's my mom, dad, my brother, and myself. My brother's older than me, about three years older than me. I think that's right. And we've been you know, a close family. We've always, those of you who've known us very long know that we're a very close family. And um, we were driving to, I believe it was to my grandmother's house my, uh, on the Bilbo side, going to Chalmette. You know where I'm going, don't you, Dad? Um, some of y'all may have heard this and just act like it's hysterical, like you've never heard it before. But... Um, <laughs> And so we're driving to go to Chalmette because, you know, Mama never just, you know, cooked like a little something. She would say, I just quicked this up, huh, Amanda? I just quicked this up with fried chicken, chicken and dumplings, fried okra, you know, uh, green beans. Uh, I mean, she just, I mean, it, it's amazing. So we had to get on to Chalmette, as you, as you see. And so we're going to Chalmette. We're on I-10. And all of a sudden, my brother and my dad, they started picking on me. You know, I was probably about eight at the time, something like that, right? And uh, they started picking on me. And I, the way I'm positioned, my dad's driving, my mom's in the passenger seat. I'm directly behind my dad, and Brandon's behind my mom. And we're in the old Lincoln town car. And, I, you know, and so we're going pretty fast, you know, because it's not whatever. The, the speed limit is just a suggestion, right? And so dad, because we got to get to lunch at Mamaw's, right? So we are, we're going, you know, a little bit over that. And so, uh, and they're just having the best time. And mom, the peacemaker's like, okay, y'all need to stop. You need to stop picking on her because she's going to get really, really mad. And they just, oh man, that's all they needed to just egg them on a little bit more, you know? And so they keep on going. And, and then I just like, I've just had enough, enough. And so I reached on as my dad is driving, you know, over 70, like 75, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, I reached over to the side of where my dad's seat, uh, seated, where he's driving, and pulled that lever, and they go way, way back, you know. And we could have, we could have all been taken out at that moment, but I won. I mean, that, that's, all, that's all that mattered is that it didn't matter that we could have all died. It's the matter that I won, Vernita, and I shut everybody up and uh, got in trouble for it, you know, of course. And, and, uh, but you got to know who you're riding with. Amen? You got to know who's in the car with you. When you are in moments of chaos in your life, you can't just let just anybody ride with you. You've got to understand and know how people will respond that are with you in the boat, in the car, when there's moments of chaos. And I want to go ahead into my text. It's Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. It says, on that day when evening came, he said to them, and this is talking about Jesus, let us go over to the other side. Somebody say other side. Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in a boat just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. 
And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? I want to ask you this morning, what are you speaking to your storm? The storms that you're dealing with, what is it that you are speaking? How are you speaking to the storms that are in your life? You know, we have to be careful what we speak during seasons of chaos because you might just miss your promise. You know, if God, our Heavenly Father, spoke creation into existence with his words, we are his children how powerful are our words? They are very powerful. You know, and we have the power to prophesy, to decree a thing, to speak his word. You know, not just to read his word, but to speak his word in the midst of the storm and to begin to command the winds and the waves to be still, just as Jesus did. Um, you know, we have the power to create and dismantle with our words, with the words that we speak. And that goes to our own life. You know, I, I speak to myself. I was telling you know, Josh, was like, uh, the other day, he's like, well, are you talking to me? I'm like, no, I'm just talking to myself. I'm working it out, you know. Uh, I don't know how many of everybody else work it out. I just, uh, a lot of time, and I'm noticing the older I get, the more I'm talking to myself. Like, hope our kids don't go and tell somebody, you know, what's something wrong with mommy. But, yeah, it's like I'm working it out. I'm either encouraging myself or, you know, hopefully I'm not speaking that, you know, well, I can't do this. But we can. We have the ability to prophesy either to our detriment or, or bring life. And that's what prophecy really is, is to bring life into ourselves. But because we are his children, we have that power. And it's so powerful. It's so powerful. So when we speak words that are not life, not bringing life, then that damages even more than, you know, my non-believer because we're walking in that authority. You see? And so um, I'm going to skip down. I want to talk about the other side. In this scripture, in these passages that we read, you know, Jesus is saying, let's go to the other side. And, um, you know, I've always been a person that, like, even from a young age, uh, that I'm just going to try it myself. I'm going to do it myself. You know, I don't want, let me just, I don't, I don't want anybody to teach me. Let me just try to do it myself, which has not always been a great thing. But I remember it was on these slopes in Obergatlinburg. I was five years old. Oh, three years old. And, um, you know, my mom and dad are trying to get me to have, you know, have ski lessons. Wouldn't that be awesome? You've never done it before. You're three years old. You know, don't break your neck and all that stuff. And so uh, I'm like, no, I don't I don't need I don't need lessons. You know, I don't I'm just going to do it. And so they knew me, my strong personality, even at that age, because let me tell you, we did believe in and and I still do believe in in whippings. OK. And uh Anyway, and some of y'all calling, you know, uh, people to come over here and all that. No, uh, but we believe in that because, you know, my parents, they wanted to raise, they wanted to raise, a, they were raising adults. They weren't raising children, right? Catch that. We're not raising children. We're raising adults. And so in order to do that, there has to be discipline. So, but they did discipline, but there were some battles they just choose to, you know, is this worth it or not? So I guess they were okay with me possibly breaking something. So, they let me go, and I said, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead. And, I, I'm, and so the first time I go down the, the bunny hill, I didn't fall at all. And they saw me and then take my skis off and walk back up the hill. You know, that's just me because, I, I, you know, the success is on the other side of fear. 
It's on the other side. And so when, when we look at situations and circumstances and fears that we may have even today, um, you know, you've got to understand that your victory is on the other side of where you are. You know, a lot of us came, you know, Miss Kim was telling us, how was y'all's trip up here? She said, it was good. She said, but whoo, the GPS had us going all these mountainous roads, these windy roads. And, you know, I was getting really stressed out. That's not her words, but in essence, that's what she was saying. And it was not her, pre her preferred route. And uh, but all of us, you know, we we came to this conference because we wanted to go on the other side of where God was calling us to. And that's what Jesus was saying. Jesus is calling all of us to go to the other side of where you are, not to stay where you are, but to go to the other side. And destiny is calling us this morning. Jesus is calling us this morning to go to the other side. You know, it was at this conference, you know, I've been at this conference uh, for this is a 32nd year. I've been at every single one. So for 32 years, I have been at, you know, attending these conferences and I have wonderful memories. I remember at the age of nine, the Holy Spirit began to gave, give me a one of the most difficult prophetic words that I could have ever given among my peers. Because as you may or may not be aware, this conference was birthed out as a youth conference. So here's a, you know, eight or nine year old, some, something, one of those ages, I can't remember. And the Holy Spirit was speaking to me really strong and saying some words that I didn't even know what they were. And my mom looked at me as I was huddled over in the corner and I'm like a nervous wreck because I'm like, I know God's speaking to me. I know I need to step out on this word because if I don't, then how can I expect God to give me more? Because I got to go on the other side of my fear. And so uh, I, I stood up there, you know, mom, you know, encouraged me. Mom and dad both cultivated that gift in me and uh, helped me, you know, pull that out of me, which I just want to say, make sure you surround yourself with people who are going to notice and recognize the gifts in you and not just notice and recognize them because there's a lot of people that will recognize the gifts in you and they will exclude you. Well, y'all didn't know we were going to talk about that today, but they will exclude you and try to stuff you away because your calling intimidates them. Right? So anyway, that was just a little land yap. Um, but I, I began to speak out as I'm nervous wreck. And the word that God had for me at eight or nine years old was that there nine that there were uh there were some people in that room teenagers in that room that if they didn't get their life right that they were living a promiscuous lifestyle i did not know what that word meant nor did i learn about all that stuff until a few years later if you know what i mean i'm checking myself we got little ones in here but um you know, my parents, they did a good job of sheltering us. And I, I'm saying, and, and, and then I, I continue to say, you're living a promiscuous lifestyle. And if you don't get it right, you're going to end up pregnant. It wasn't after we got to that, got home from that trip. It was just a few weeks later. And they had two young ladies that went, met with my parents who were the youth pastors at the time and associates at the time and began to tell them I'm expecting and I don't know how to tell my parents. But I had to get on the other side. God's calling us to go on the other side. Jesus is calling you today to go to the other side. You know, it's, you know, two people uh, that birthed this conference, you know, mom and dad, pastors Garland and Bev, that it was that they had to go to the other side in order to birth this. They had to separate themselves from the crowd to birth this. They had to, you know, shut out in their ears negative voices to birth it. And now when I look around this room and I look at my son who's four years old, who's wanting to go to the altar call, who's, you know, praising it and so excited to go to church, I'm like, you know, I'm so glad y'all went to the other side. 
Because if we didn't, what are we going to do for the next generations? And now look across this room when I got, you know, my cousin Amanda and her husband Herman, that now their children are coming. That they, you know, Amanda attended this conferatory. You know, we were all, you know, kids coming to this. Gerard, you know, uh, Shalimar, Vernita, and now our kids are coming. And, and we're apart because we know that God, during this atmosphere, it, it pulls something out and we hear destiny calling us to, to the other side. You know, this, um, it was a few days ago, my, my, our three-month-old has really bad reflux. And, you know, we are praying and believing and know that God will touch him and, we, you know, and, and all that. And, but he was real, his stomach was really upset. And as you know, with reflux, they spit up a lot. And uh, he was fussing, fussing, and Bo was in the room. We're trying to hurry up and get ready because it's been a miracle that I have been here on time, okay? So I need an award or something, okay? And... Uh, with get you know because Josh is helping getting everything ready he's like okay I'll come back pick you up and I'm like oh, okay all right we're gonna it'll be all right we'll be able to I think you know so anyway and so Blaze just uh you know spit up everywhere I mean it was everywhere and uh Bo dropped his toys and he took his hand and put it on his head on Blaze's head and he said in the name of Jesus that Blaze will not be sick anymore and that he will feel better in Jesus' name. And I said, okay, we did something right already, okay? And then after a little while, Blaze started settling down, and, and uh, Bo looked at me and said, look, he's healed. He's healed. This is what it's all about. It's to go to the other side. It's not about you. The problems and the storms that you're going through is not about you. It's about the next generation. And the next generation needs to know that there is a God that helps us to overcome. That there is a God that helps us to walk uh, out the word of God. To live an overcoming life. And that's what it's all about. It's not about you. It's not about you. Tell somebody this morning, say, I'm moving to the other side. Tell them, come on, tell them, say, I'm going to the other side today. You see, your joy is on the other side of despair. Your peace is on the other side of conflict. Your victory is on the other side. We've just got to, we got to take some steps to get there. You know, I want to talk about leaving the crowd because in that passage, Jesus begins to tell them, we're going to go to the other side. And then it says in the next verse or so, it says, and then they had to leave the crowd. They had to leave the crowd. And I want to, I want to dwell here for a minute because, you know, who you allow yourself to hang out with and who you align yourself with determines your destiny who you marry come on somebody determines if you're going to get to your destiny or if you're not it, you know I, I i dated um josh was the third guy i ever dated uh, i started dating when i was about 20 or 21 and i'm not saying this to pat myself on the back i'm saying this to encourage some of the young ones in here and some of the other ones in here that are single in your single season. I had an understanding as a teenager, um, you know, with my parents, you know, encouraging it always taught me that you, you're going to be different, you know, because God has marked you. you, you know, we're believers. And, you know, and so I really, my brother and I both really took that. And I knew that uh, my destiny was more important to me than just having my boo. And I wanted to make sure that, whoever I did give the time of day that they had, that I could think that, you know, we're going to arrive to the des our destiny together. And, um, and then Josh came along and swept me off my feet and we got two beautiful boys and 
But you know, we have to leave the, see, going to the other side requires us to, to leave the crowd around us behind. Leaving negative people, I'm talking about people in the church. Okay, come on. In the church, I'm talking about Christians. Just because they're Christian don't mean that you need, you need to be best buddies, all right? Uh, I mean, I can't tell you how many people over the last two years that I have unfollowed, unfriended, blocked. Praise God, hallelujah, amen, and I tell you I'm better because of it. Because I don't need all that. Because they're not going where I'm going. They're not, they have decided because of their mindset and things that they have, you know, spoken and begin to release. I realize you're not, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. Um, you know, that, that's not what that means. It just means we're not going the same direction. So I, I'm going to remove anything that would try to block me from going to the other side. The crowd does not belong in the boat with you. You know, he said in that, in the passage, he said, you know, uh, we're going to go to the other side and we're going to leave the crowd. You can't bring the crowd in the boat with you. There's only a few people that I'm going to let in my inner circle, okay? I'm not going to just allow anybody to speak over my destiny. I'm not going to allow just anybody to ride in the boat with me to my destiny. We have to protect those things. You know, you can't get to your destiny until you separate yourself from the crowd. You know, your crowd may be people. You know, people play a big part in whether you're going to get to your destiny or not. Influences, friends. Make sure you're, you know, even under the right ministry, the right covering is going to help determine if you're going to arrive to your destiny. Um, I want to talk now about passengers. You need to know your passengers. Look at your neighbor say, know the passengers in your boat. You got to know the passengers that are in your boat. Um, and I told you about the story about me pulling the lever, you know, they... Uh, that was great. I don't know why I did that. I just have this urgency to win. I won. That's all that matters. The expense of everybody's lives. So, yep. Hallelujah. We're, we're a testament to the Lord from that day that we made it. But the capacity of your boat should not should only contain those who have the power to rebuke storms. The capacity of your boat should only contain those who have the power to rebuke storms. You don't need people in your boat who are going to contribute to the storm. You don't need people in your boat that are going to tell you, hey, you know what? You don't need to be doing this. You don't need to be stepping out on that business idea. Don't you know that you don't have the money for that? Don't you know that that's, you know, that's just a crazy idea? You don't need that in your boat. And so that is your opportunity to man overboard, okay? That's your opportunity to, yes, to get, you know, get them out of your boat. How important is it to you to arrive to your destination? How important is it to you to fulfill the call that's upon your life? How important is it to you that when you see Jesus, that he says, hey, you did an awesome job. You did, exactly. You got in the boat, and girl, I saw you throwing people overboard because you said, I'm not tolerating that. I told Bo the other day, Bo was having a little attitude uh, the other day in the house, and I said, do you want me to open up that door? And we're going to put that attitude outside. Well, he remembered that, and so he told me the other day. <laughs> he said, he said, I'm gonna, he, said, he said, you need to check your attitude. I was like, I don't even, I wouldn't even say anything, but okay, at least you're getting a revelation. Praise God. Praise the Lord for that. But you better know who is in your boat. 
Because who you allow in your boat, it will determine your survival. Whoever you let in your boat will influence the route to your destination. Will influence the route to your destination. You know, over the last two years, I've had to kick a few passengers out of my boat that I thought we were going the same way, Shalimar. I thought we were going in the same direction. I thought we had the same mindset, but I realized that, that we didn't. And it was, it was weighing my boat down. It was bringing delays in my boat because they were, it was, it was exceeding the weight capacity in my boat. You know, it was weighty. My boat was beginning to sink because of some of the voices that, that I thought were okay. And, um, you know, I had, had a friend of mine or a friend of the family uh, for years, uh, a phenomenal prophet, very gifted, that, um, hallelujah, got my cheerleader. She just egging me on. That's all I need, y'all. That's all I need. Um, <laughs> I had somebody, I was eight weeks pregnant, and uh, my husband and I, you know, we were praying, you know, for, for the right time. You know, I was like, oh, man, because Josh and I both really need to work on that, you know, patience fruit of the spirit. That's why we don't preach it, he said. And I was like, okay, you know, I was so upset because 2020, I wanted to, you know, I was like, you know, this is the, this is the year we're going to get, we're going to get pregnant. And, um, well, it didn't happen. And Josh was like, but you got to understand, you know, you got to trust in timing of God. And I'm like, I know that I preach that, but don't tell me that. And so, um, anyway, we had a deliverance session in the house and, um, but, Thank God we didn't at that time. You know, there's a lot of chaos going on and uh, in our nation, and not that necessarily it's all calmed down. But anyway, um, God had a perfect plan, and I totally forgot where I was going. Oh, so eight weeks, eight weeks pregnant, and I get this call from from this prophet that many of us know, and y'all gonna be like, "Who is it?" I'm not gonna tell you, okay? And um, but I will say we don't have him no more. All right. And so um, he was a friend of ours for years and years, and like I said, very gifted, very accurate. And gave me, uh, called me. He said, "Hey," and I said, "Hi." I said, "How you doing?" And um, and he he was begin to uh, in in just a summary, just begin to kind of speak some negative things over me and my pregnancy. And it was at that moment I knew man overboard. He asked, "Yes." He asked. He's like, "Well, are you alone?" And I was like, "Yeah." I'm like, "That's weird." Like, well, Josh is here. He's in the attic. And I felt like it was it was definitely a demonic setup that won't make sure I'm going to drop this on you. But I want to make sure you're alone because I don't want to be corrected. You know, and that's another thing anyway. So glad we're streaming, you know, but um, you got to have a covering. And if there's a prophet who doesn't have a covering, then that's a, a wild animal on the loose. Okay. You got to have a covering. I don't care if you're prophet or whatever your office is, it just as a believer, you've got to have a covering. Because if you don't have a covering over you, then you are susceptible for the attacks of the enemy. Let me tell you, some of the battles that I have faced, I am so glad that I have a covering. So you know what I did after that call? Hung up that phone. I, I, I you know, called uh, Josh down out of the attic, my covering uh, priest of our home. And then next to that, I called our pastoral covering and I told them and they encouraged me because I mean, when you're pregnant, you, you, you know, 
emotions are all messed up anyway. You got, and like, that was totally out of the flesh. Out of the flesh that you, you God, you're not going to prophesy death. So this is important of, of our words. Anyway, that was not in my notes, but you got to understand who you're going to allow in your boat. And there's some people that you, you need to just let them go on by. Amen. Because you're not going to be able to get where God has you. And my child, my little boy is healthy. There ain't nothing wrong with my boy. There was nothing wrong with our pregnancy. You know, the enemy will use people in the church to cause you to get derailed from your destiny. A fierce wind and waves were breaking over the boat and filling up the boat. You know, a windstorm is representation. This is my interpretation. A windstorm represents to me warfare to prevent or to delay you from getting on the other side. So here they are. Jesus says, let's go on the other side. Okay, we're going to get in the boat, you know, and they had a few knuckleheads in the boat that didn't have faith. They only had one in there, and he was asleep, and his name was Jesus. He was the one who had the power, right, to rebuke the storm. And so they get in the boat, and then once they get on their journey, then this the wind begins to come. Warfare begins to come to prevent you, prevent them from getting to the other side. It's interesting is that, you know, the wind is what causes the waves. And that Jesus first began to talk to the wind and command the wind because, you know, we got to know what to rebuke in seasons of chaos. Some of us are trying to rebuke the waves when it's really the wind we need to tell to be still. We've got to understand, and everything is not for us to rebuke. Don't take on spiritual battles that are not yours because you may not be equipped to take on those demons. Take on the, take on the wind. Command the wind. Command the wind, and then the storms will begin to go. They will, peace will come in your life. Winds, winds represent strife, commotion, and destruction. The waves are created by the fierce winds. Um, many times we create our own storms by the words that we speak. You know, a lot of times, we're, oh, this is just the devil. This is just the devil. Well, what have you been speaking in your season? Because it could be your words that cause it. The devil hadn't had to do anything. He didn't have to do anything. Some of us have to come, you know, we've come to this conference today with our boat filled to the brim from the waves of the storm. And you've come because you are ready. You're saying, you know what? I know I need to get some things out of my boat. I know that I need to speak to the storm. And I want to encourage you today that Jesus is here. To speak to the winds of your life, to speak to the storm of your life, and to calm it today so that you can get to where God has called you to. He, you know, Jesus rebuked the wind and he said, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and became perfectly calm. Jesus said, You know, greater all these things that I've done, all, all these miracles, all these things that I've done in my life, you're to do greater. Raise the dead, heal the sick, you know. We are to do greater. So whatever Jesus did, not only do I have the same power, same power and authority through him, but I have even greater. So you and I have the ability. Speak to that storm. I command winds to die down and to be at peace in the name of Jesus. And guess what? They have to obey. When you know who you are in Christ, you can speak to the storm. You know, you got to make sure you got people in the boat that know how to speak to the storm with you when maybe you might be a little weary. You know, you don't need people in the boat with you that are afraid and are scared, but they need to have faith. You know, as Josh said, don't have to have big faith, just got to have a little faith that knows that who their God is. And that's the thing. When we look over the course of the last two years, there's so many Christians that are so confused 
news and it tells me that they don't know who their God is. Oh, man, just want to light them up and just Holy Ghost slap them. Don't you know that our God is greater? Our God is bigger than anything, any pandemic, any scheme. But there's something for us to do. We got to go to the other side. We've got to go to the other side to fulfill the destiny that God has called us to. We need to know what to rebuke in times of crisis. The wind that causes the waves, know what to rebuke, know what to praise. Our voice. And then I'm about to close. And in a few minutes, we're going to, once I close, we're going to open up the altars and have a time of prayer. Um, I love altar ministry. That's one of the icons of this conference is, you know, if you saw a Google icon, you would see like this, you know. Because that's what, that's what we do. That's what we love that. But our voice, I want to talk about our voice. Knowing your voice means you know your authority. When I know who I am, I'll tell you, when, when Josh is, uh, when the boys are asleep, like this morning, I was like, we were trying so hard, trying so hard to get Blaze asleep, and it just was not working. And so um, as Josh was awake, and Bo was still asleep, and he starts talking in his, like, full, normal voice. I'm like, keep your voice down. You know, because... His voice will wake them up. They know their father's voice. And, and they, could, they could tell that authority. And Josh, you know, walks in. You know, we, we need to know our voice and speak to those situations. Knowing your voice means that there is not a doubt in your mind that that storm will not stop when you open your mouth and speak. What are you speaking to those storms today? What are you speaking to the chaos in your family, over your kids, over your health, over your mind, over the circumstances that you're currently in? Are you just complaining? Because the children of Israel, they were canceled by complaint, Pastor Bev preaches, that they were canceled by complaint and it delayed their journey. Which some, you know, commentators say it could have been an 11-day journey. They get stuck in it for 40 years because of complaining. We've got to be careful. It's human nature to gravitate to the negative and to speak the negative. And that's where Paul says, I die daily to my flesh. We have to work that out so that we work against what, what, uh, our, what we, our um, first inclination would be, right? And then as we begin to rehearse that in our life to, uh, I'm not going to speak that negative, then we form a habit of speaking life. So then that's going to be the first thing that we do. Amen? So what are you speaking to your storm? Don't give up on your journey. You know, we need to speak to the wind. And so, you know, as I'm closing today, I just want to say that, you know, we came to this conference. You came to this conference because you heard of the voice of Jesus calling you to the other side. Calling you to that. I can't. I'm not just satisfied with where I am right now on the shores with the crowd hearing all they got to say. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not satisfied with this. This is not where I'm meant to stay. God has promised me more than what I'm experiencing right now. And so you come to this conference because you're hungry for more. Some of us, our marriage may be at stake. Some of us, our children, they acting up and we need God to get a hold of their life. Some of us, our finances are drying up. Some of us, we lost our job. You know, some of us, we need a miracle in our physical body. And I want to tell you today that Jesus is here. Jesus is here. He lives in you. And you need to, we need to understand to rise up, to stand up, and to speak against the wind and command the demonic forces to be still in the name of Jesus. Shut up. 
demonic forces, demonic voices. You have no place in this house. You have no authority over my family, over my children, over my mind, over my finances. You got to let go because God's bringing me to the other side and I'm determined. I'm determined to reach my destiny. We've got to get our fight back. And, and that's the reason why you came. You came for refreshing. You came because you knew that God had something more for you. And today we're going to make the decision that we're no longer going to continue to be tossed by the waves. We're not going to allow the waves to dictate to us or to delay us any longer, but we're going to get to our destiny. We're going to stand up. We're going to speak to the wind. You know, and I want to ask you, are you willing to go to the other side? You know, there's a cost with going to the other side. We, we got to, I got to leave the crowd. You know, some of us were a little too comfortable with the crowd. Like, oh man, if I get in the boat, do you know what it's going to cost me? I'm going to have to sever some relationships. I may have to stop watching some things. I may have to give up some of my favorite addictions and ask God to help me with that so that I can go to the other side so I don't have anything holding me back. So I, I can get delivered from strongholds that will not hold me to the crowd. Because until we get to that place of, of freedom, you know, then it's going to be really hard to get, to get in that boat. Are you willing? to go to the other side. It's going to cost something. It's going to cost you something. It's, it's going to cost you some relationships, maybe even some family members that, you know, that you might not need to be as close to. You can love them, but you don't need to be aligned with them. And that's okay. And that's okay because you've got to understand getting to the other side and fulfilling your destiny is more important than that. Are you willing and ready to go to the other side? Are you ready to stand up and speak to the storm that is in your life? Are you ready to take authority over what the storm is trying to toss you and, and, and intimidate you? You know, it, it's not always going to be easy when we get in a boat, but it's going to be worth it. Hallelujah. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. And, and I just want to open up, if that's you and you say, you know what, I am willing. I'm ready. I'm ready to go to the other side. I'm ready to leave all this behind, the crowd behind, uh, my past behind. Hey, man, that, that could be part of the crowd. <laughs> Our past, the situations, you know, whatever that it may be. If you say, you know what, I'm ready to go to the other side. I don't want to just, you know, leave this conference and be like, that was a really nice conference. That was awesome. And then have nothing to bring with me. Have nothing, no, nothing that I could fight with. You know, it's our determination. You know, when we don't come, if we come with expectations, that means that miracles are going to happen. But if we have no expectation, miracles are not going to happen. And if that's you and you say, you know what, I'm ready to go to the other side. I'm ready to risk it all. I want you to come Your presence is on We're going to pray for you this morning. Come on, that's you and you say, you know what, I'm tired. I'm tired of the enemy trying to play games with me, with my family, with my mind, my health. Whatever I've got to do to get to my destiny, that's what I'm going to do. And if that's you and you say, you know what, today is my day of change. Today is my day where I say, I'm severing ties. I'm severing relationships today. I'm severing mindsets today that are not godly. I'm severing even my addictions, things that the enemy has had me had a hold on me for too long. Today, you got to be determined. Hey, you say, this is my day of freedom. Hallelujah. Because I'm going to the other side. Lord, I just thank you for it. I thank you for every life that's in this room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you, the Holy Spirit, I'm just going to.
I was interrupt, felt the Holy Spirit just kind of check me. He said, for some of us in this place, you, you're a nervous wreck because you're like, I know I need to go, but what is this one going to say? What is that one going to say? And, you, know, you know, and it's like you, you just, you, you just want to get out and want to do something, you're uncomfortable. You know what? That's the Holy Ghost that's making you uncomfortable. That's the Holy Spirit tugging on you because He loves you more than any person in this world could ever love you. And He loves you so much. That he will cause that agitation to get you to move. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, I just thank you. We're going to come and lay hands on each of you and just believe for the supernatural to be released in your life. But I'm just going to pray a, a corporate prayer over us all. Lord, we just thank you, God. I thank you, God, for such an army of believers, for the remnant, God, that's pushing back. The forces of darkness. Lord, I thank you that we overcome. God, no matter what storm we are facing today, God, we thank you, oh God, that you've given us the power and the authority through Christ to speak to the wind and to say peace, to be still in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you, God. God, that you're going to give us the courage, Lord Jesus, to separate ourselves from the crowd today. That you're going to give us the boldness to make the right decisions. God, because nothing else matters to us aside from doing everything and being everything that you've called us to be. God, we just thank you, God. God, for those of us, oh God, who, who are addicted to situations that I feel so strong in my heart today, addicted to various things, there is nothing too hard for you, Lord. There's nothing that's too hard for you, God. God, and we surrender it to you. We surrender it to you. We thank you for healing our soul. God, our emotions of God this morning, that you would go deep. God, those words that have been spoken over our life, even as a child, God, that there would be healing that would take place in our soul, that you would heal the memories. In Jesus' name, you would go deep, go deep, Holy Spirit, into our life and to bring healing into us, oh God. Lord, I thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're going to do, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.